Ariel Pink is Ariel Rosenberg, a producer, singer and songwriter based out of Los Angeles, California, with a proclivity towards low-fidelity pop rock music. With a do-it-yourself approach, Ariel Pink has fashioned a bountiful discography and has proven to harbour a true knack for writing catchy hooks. You're tuned in to Roots to Grooves. Welcome back to Roots to Grooves. What up, Jay? What up, Jesse? My name's Jesse. I'm Roots. You're Grooves. This is Roots <laughs> to Grooves. Is that it? Because, you know, little known fact, if you go back in YouTube history on uh, Signal Radio's YouTube channel, there's a show called Plain and Simple with Mr. DC and Shayhan. I've not seen that. I'm going to have to go check that <clears> out <throat> after this episode. Yeah, they label one of them plain and one of them simple. Oh, really? Which one's plain, which one's simple? You'll have to go back and Damn. find that out. Okay. That's, a, that's a cross-promotion right there. Damn, that's nice. <laughs> I mean, those are both good guys that I know personally, and I can recommend that. So Yeah, they only did. Uh, we did three episodes, but only one of them's released because the other two didn't get edited. And, so we got uh, some good things in the pipe coming out. Yeah, maybe they'll be released. They're a little bit out of date, but... you got to release it as a B-side podcast. B-side podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. Stuff that didn't make the cut. I know, and as uh, but this is making the cut, maybe. We'll, well, see. well yet More to sure. be found out. You know, we'll yeah. see. I'm not in charge of that. Okay. <laughs> no, but we are in charge of that, and uh, we're happy to be here. So we got. Um, we're talking about Ariel yeah. Pink. Yeah. Have you heard the name? Um, I thought I had, and then I uh, looked in. I researched. I mean, there's Ariel, um, the mermaid. See, I think. I was like, Ariel Pink, I was like, why is Jesse sending me this pop star artist? Because I think in my mind, my mind fused Ariel Grande with Pink. Oh, Ariana Grande? Or uh, is it Ariana <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> see, I don't even know. No, but I see where, that's, I, I see where you're going though. And then Pink. So Ariel Pink sounds like it would be like a pop star artist or at least a band or someone. It was like, okay, it's a name. It seems like a memorable name. Mm-hmm. That's a good name. Yeah, and I researched it. And I was like, I was couldn't be so completely wrong in my whole fucking life. <laughs> and uh, but that song that you just played, the first one, I didn't know that was them. Um, Have you heard, I, you've heard that I, before? Yeah, I've heard it before, and I didn't find it when when I was looking around. I look, I think because I was I went way back to the early years of Ariel Pink. Oh yeah, right. And then I went right to the very recent sort of things. I mean, this is so a that track I thought was a was a cover, but it's not. It's an original, right? Mm-hmm. Completely original. Yeah, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think a lot of people would experience that. There's, there's yeah. if you've listened, if you have, you listen to playlists on Spotify or whatever. I, I bet you've heard a couple of these songs, okay, but yeah. it's mm. not a name that people are like, oh, Ariel Pink. Yeah, yeah sure, you just cool. hear like the one song, like that one. I've, I, I feel like I've definitely heard played. I don't know where, like a heard it myself or in mm-hmm. a coffee shop or something like that but or, i mean this guy yeah i mean yeah. it's it's kind of underground almost kind of material but it comes up in the in the pop culture yeah um kind of i don't know it, it rose to the surface because i think it's good stuff this guy's pretty interesting he's pretty weird so well, just fascinating, like a fascinating guy <laughs> yeah he's very fascinating very you know eccentric yeah odd so he's prolific so, it's, so basically it's one guy uh, his real name is Ariel Rosenberg. Yeah. But he goes by Ariel Pink. Ariel Marcus Rosenberg, actually. Oh, there you go, yeah. And, uh, so he's 42? 
now uh, today now yeah mm-hmm. and uh i think his name was a mistake because people say seem to think it's a pseudonym or like a made-up name mm-hmm. but he said it was a mistake because he had what was it, uh, the track that that's on aerial pink and uh, the graffiti haunted was, graffiti yeah haunted graffiti who's his his band basically yeah I think yeah. he's gone kind of back and forth on what that was. I think there was some confusion, like you were saying. Yeah, yeah. And even oh, they man. didn't really know exactly what was going on. So it's kind of like, yeah. here's kind of what's going on in our band. But then the public's like, here's what we think's going on. Yeah. And so it was a little bit confusing. And I think that it's something that they themselves have been kind of trying to figure out as they go. Yeah. Um, well, so take us back to the very beginning of Aerial Pink. Well, my beginning, I'll give you my personal, I mean, I, I recognize, I found this artist, um, how did I, I I don't remember how I came across it. I think a buddy of mine turned me on to him or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just kind of got into it. I found the album Pom Pom. Mm -hmm. It might've been like a Spotify algorithm and algorithmic playlist type thing. And he came up just like probably that song came up and I'm like, what's up with this? Yeah. And I looked at it. I found the album Pom Pom, which was Mm -hmm. from 2015. And that's that track round around is on that, right? Is it? Or no, that one came out. Uh, um, that was a little bit earlier on, I think, um, okay. Mature Themes. Okay. Uh, I believe. Right. Well, we'll get to that later. But I mean, okay. so 2014 Pom Pom, mm-hmm. super sick record. Um, and we'll get into this guy a little bit more in a second. But it, it's a good record. It's, it's weird. It's odd. It's, it's like this guy bases all of his sounds on like 60s and 70s rock pop, mm. like radio kind of stuff, mm-hmm. like poppy 60s, mm-hmm. you know, almost like Beach Boys surf stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he kind of puts a weird, odd, quirky twinge on it. And like, let's, you know, mm-hmm. 60s pop is on 10. Let's turn it up to 15, mm. you know, and just like take that vibe to the max, like to the next level to where it's weird, odd, mm-hmm. lo-fi um psychedelic mm-hmm. and just kind of turns it up really loud yeah. not, not volume wise but turns up the vibe yeah. to a strong level yeah um i'm not sure how i would describe this music it's just it's there's cool grooves it's it, like i said it's all based on kind of 70s 60s mm-hmm. rock but he brings i don't know i don't want to sound like a broken record here but i mean this guy's <laughs> this guy's broke he's he's prolific yeah i'm fumbling over my words here but he has a ton of albums from from 2000 to 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 the 2010s but i think everything released from the two from 2000 to 2010 was written before 2004 yeah which is interesting and i think he went on a like a writing spree of like eight years or something where he just kind of wrote 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 yeah came out with a bunch of stuff early on he was getting and i'm digressing from pom-pom we'll get to that later but Mm -hmm. um he, he just started coming out with stuff putting it out on cassettes tapes however he can get it out yeah um and this was before he came out with full you know releases yeah yeah so he's from los angeles and uh but i think he spent some time in louisiana growing up as he i didn't i didn't know that but i know he's based out of la yeah and um and the the story i heard uh was that he he had like his parents encouraged him to be an artist and his mom actually wanted him to be an actor and Mm -hmm. he'd have like acting coaches come by their house kind of thing i think was he drawing too yeah he said he was drawing and he said um you know his parents really were like he could be the next picasso kind of thing and right he was really they were kind of pushing him towards that and he was he was good yeah yeah but that's kind of what they wanted him to do and he wasn't really feeling it 
yeah. Well, I, no, I think he said like he enjoyed it, and he's a. I think he says he's a better artist than he is a musician, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> he's really humble about his music beginnings. Because uh, what I found out is that, um, yeah, like you said, like the majority of all the music that you're hearing now that's being released was recorded from '98 to 2004, mm-hmm. it, during which period of time he recorded like 200 songs by himself. And and they're all extremely, extremely lo-fi, dirty demo sounding recordings. Completely DIY. Yeah, made on his four track tape recorder. We've come up we've mentioned this before. You do you it's, know what a tape a four track is now after we talked about I, I've seen it come up a couple of times and I'm I'm learning. I'm gonna okay. look it up on Google Images yeah, later. Yeah, exactly. To see what but um, I mean, yeah, so I mean I kind of again I guess it's that kind of generational time where we're exploring some some yeah. Musicians who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, who are yeah. coming from that period of time 30 true, years yeah, ago, who yeah, are, yeah. that was kind of the way to go. I mean, you get a four track, or maybe I think Toru Imoi well, was on an eight track. Yeah, we talked about him as well. Same thing. Toru Imoi. I, I always say that name wrong. Oh, so yeah. there, let me get that correction right now. And I, look, I looked up his age. I didn't say this in his episode. So people are going to find that in, a set, in this episode now. It's 2020, and he's 34 years old. There we go. Okay, cool. So that puts him in the bracket this is just, of uh, this is the corrections episode. We're just gonna this is the, get it all this out. Is the, in a previous episode, we incorrectly stated previously this. on Roots to Grooves. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, this guy. So Ariel Pink. He's a multi instrumentalist, songwriter, producer. Yeah. DIY extraordinaire. Just eccentric writing. pop artist out of LA. Writing all these songs by himself on his four track in his dad's garage. Garage. How do we say it in America? Garage, um, garage, garage in England. Hello to I like all the that. English listeners out there. What's up, guys? Yeah. Um, and uh, hello. Yeah, hello. So, I mean, what does this guy do? He makes some warped pop music. It, it's yeah. like it sounds like a like a long lost artifact. Like, oh, what is it this? Does. So I, I I reversed back in time and I went back to his very first releases on Spotify. I mean, not. I mean. This is the weird thing, right? It's like they didn't come out on Spotify. Spotify is a new contraption that mm-hmm. has been released upon I mean, people. He's, he's kind of, yeah, he kind of rec- retroactively yeah, released retroactively stuff. Retroactively released. So and if you go back in his discography there, you can see the first thing that they've labeled there. Mm-hmm. And um, and it is, and that's the first thing I went to go listen to um, when you mentioned Aerial Pink because I hadn't heard of him before. So it started so, at the top. Yeah. So I, I was like, okay, let me go. Before I hear the most latest thing, let me just go go all the way back to the past. Which, if I was going to recommend, I I would yeah. recommend not doing that unless you really like lo-fi bedroom stuff. Yeah. But I would start out with this stuff after 2010, with I think before today. If yeah, anybody yeah, just yeah. wants something off the bat right now, yeah, go to before today. I think it was 2010. Yeah, and listen to the stuff after that. Okay, I yeah. get. I mean, that's what I would say. Um, that's um with haunted graffiti mm-hmm. as it's on the title, I guess. Okay. And that was always kind of confusing, but um, I mean, yeah, I guess I would start with Pom Pom. Okay. That's my second one. I would start with Pom Pom. If you guys like lo-fi and stuff, start with yeah. Before no, Today. I kind of thought that when I was going, when I listened to the first track of this old album, I was like, wait a minute. I was like, this sounds super, it sounds so old that it was like recorded in the 1930s. It sounds, like his that. early stuff sounds like it was recorded in the 60s. And yeah. 
it's like it was dipped yeah. like a tape dipped in yeah. some oil and thrown into garbage. I know. And, and then... I was like, why is Jesse <laughs> suggesting to this me to this? This guy must have been dead for like 20, 50 years or something. It's, I don't know. It's odd stuff. <laughs> but if you get past that initial aesthetic, like I know some people are kind of turned off by like, why is it distorted? Why does it sound weird or yeah. old? And if you can get past that, you know, a lot of people are super into that, obviously, but uh it's this guy knows how to write a song he knows how to create a vibe well the, the interesting thing i found out because that was the first thing i listened to is i found out that um the bulk of all of his early work before the albums you're talking about was all made in this low ultra lo-fi home recording way mm -hmm. and also he said about it is that um even though he spent a lot of time on each song, like he'd go back and like try and re-record parts over and over and over again until he got it right and then moved on to the next part. Right. Um, it's still, he said, he said it's a living arch arch artifact of him learning how to play instruments. Right. And I yeah. think you could hear that if you go from this, these first albums. Yeah. And I, I don't think we have to talk about every one of these first albums. Sure, it's, yeah. There's, a, there's yeah. a little too much. <laughs> this guy has a lot of music and he's really prolific and it's yeah. a lot of it's really great. Um, I think the first one on Spotify is labeled at 1998 called Underground. Mm -hmm. Then it goes to 2005 called Worn Copy, an album in 2004 called The Doldrums. I'm not sure why those are backed up on Spotify like that. Mm -hmm. um, but 2006, Thrash and Burn, House Arrest in 2006 as well. Uh, scared famous 2007 and then before today is 2010 so i mean this guy's coming out with he, he wrote about, a lot of stuff what about underground there's an album called underground from 1998 did you mention that Just um oh i think that was the first one yeah, yeah, yeah. so um I, I i went through i i i found out about ariel pink a few years ago and in since from that time to now i've been trying to go through some of this old stuff and it's it's I'm not a super lo-fi kind of person. I don't usually gravitate towards that kind of weird, odd bedroom lo-fi stuff that this guy's coming out with. Oh, yeah. But he kind of introduced me to what's possible yeah. and showed me that it can be very cool, mm -hmm. even though it's not an aesthetic that maybe you're super used to um, hearing on a daily basis. Yeah. Well, there was a guy that he mentioned. I saw a little clip of him it being interviewed probably about 10 or more years ago. And he was talking about this guy called Stevie Moore, who apparently yes. was the pioneer of home recording music. Yeah, he's like the pioneer of DIY. Do you know about this guy? Or, um, or, a little bit. I, yeah. I mean, in our research for this, I, yeah. I also discovered him. Mm. And I mean, also super cool stuff. And I guess he's kind of, he's, Ariel Pink has accepted him as a mentor yeah. um, for his art. Well, I think what you said about him is like um, when Ariel was young, you know, he was into all of this music and all this rock music. And he said as soon as he discovered Stevie Moore, he said like the image of being a rock star in, in the realm of like Led Zeppelin and all these other big artists around mm -hmm. at the time. He said it got shattered for him, but in a good way, because he realized that you could be a musician and a rock star and a songwriter without being a star and without going through the system. And I think that's like what he said. It was a huge influence on him mm -hmm. to forego everything and not worry about chasing, putting together a band and record chasing record deals and all that. But for him to realize that he could just record everything that he wanted to at home kind of thing. 
Yeah, and still get yeah. get what yeah. you're trying to get across yeah. through your music, through your art, and communicate that to people. And I think yeah. he's done a super good job of that. And I yeah. that's one of my favorite things about this artist, Ariel Pink, is that he just it, he totally embraces the DIY. Like I can do this myself. Mm-hmm. I'm using my songwriting abilities and these concepts in my head to to make these things happen. But I don't need to spend extra money at a big studio. I don't need to have a big record label. Yeah. Uh, like I said, he was just putting stuff out on cassettes, anything he could put his music out on just for yeah. no reason at all, just to see what would happen. And I think he embraced doing music in that way mm-hmm. and not worrying about, you know... Like leaning into it as opposed to, I have it. to deal with it this way. Yeah, like, yeah. let's just do this. <laughs> like, let's do it weird and let's do it big. Which let's is do it ins- a lot. Which is insane because... Uh, you know, I used to have, I've mentioned this in another episode, I used to have like an eight track tape mm-hmm. recorder, but the sound quality is not that much better. Just right. because you have eight versus four doesn't mean the sound quality is better. It's, yeah, 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 exactly. And <laughs> Back that- in those days, you know, and we always used to, I mean, you know, we really dove deep into recording all our demo albums on this thing, but it was only to the extent that we could make a tape, a cassette tape so we could get gigs in London, like, uh, so we could have a demo tape to send to people because yeah still back then like studio gear was really expensive and computers were like early on and their ex- computers are still expensive back then and, like, yeah i mean you know, like i remember having a, a four gigabyte novel. hard drive that was like weighed 50 pounds and it was this big you know four gigabytes. just a big old brick exactly now i got two terabytes on like the size of my phone it's like amazing yeah. <laughs> i mean you could i mean they had we have more power on our phones right now than they had on, sure. like, the, on then, like the space shuttle to send them to the moon or you know, something I like that. I believe there's more power on my five-year-old mobile phone here than there was on my computer I was trying to make music on back in the day. So, Amazing. Yeah. So far yeah. have we come. <laughs> and I still am not thrilled with computers. I don't really like them. They're, they're not as good as I want them to be yet. So I'm just saying that. Anyway, yeah. I digress. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, yeah, so this guy started just making music. He's like, I'm going to make a shit ton of music. Yeah. Like, are we allowed to say bad words on this? I'm sorry. No. Sorry, everybody in the UK. No, you can't. Uh, <laughs> you can say it in America, but not in England. Because, Shoot. Because the queen rules. Just the queen. There's That's a queen. No, I'm just checking. <laughs> but, so this guy, I mean, he wrote a bunch of music, like I said, Underground, Warren Coffee, The Doldrums, Thrash and Burn, House Arrest, Scared mm-hmm. Famous, Before Today. It's, it's, it's synthy synth pop it's rock it's it's influenced by glam rock it's like it sounds vintage it's mm. um it's playful it's silly it's ridiculous it, yeah. sometimes it goes too far mm-hmm. and he just embraces like let's be so weird that you don't even know what's happening in this section of the song mm. um, but it shows a lot of personality and it shows a lot of talent to mm. to create what he's created i think um but Overall, it sounds pretty underground. It sounds pretty lo-fi. Mm. I'm just kind of lumping all of these first albums together because they are kind of similar in that way. And they're were those the ones that were all recorded between? Yeah, I think most time? of that was in that yeah. same kind of eight-year writing yeah, yeah. stint. Yeah. And, uh, and it was obviously a prolific time. And I would, if you like that lo-fi sound, I would listen to any of those albums. Like I would go with the Doldrums number one. The Doldrums. If, if you really like, if you want to start with this, the earlier stuff. Um, um, what is a good track to play the listeners now to give them some context and the feel of the lo-fi things we're talking about? I, it, I'm, I, I couldn't even tell you a track <laughs> off of, I don't know them by name. I've just listened to the album and kind of put it on. Cause I, I did pick some, uh, a track from his very first one, the underground, my, oh, was it my underground or the underground? 
Yeah, I'll, let's let's play it. I think you you probably got a good one. All right, this is this is called My Molly. This is the very first track I ever heard of. And some aerial pink. Some early aerial pink. Yeah, this is like super early. I'm so. excited. That was My Molly by Ariel Pink. You would think that it came out of the 70s or something like that, but that was late 90s, recorded at home. Can you not hear the Beach Boys in there? You know, it sounds like yeah. it's like a demented Beach Boys, lo-fi kind of vibe. I don't know. It's like if the Beach Boys did drugs, but which they never did, of course. No, no um, not, not those good old boys. <laughs> but that's saying a lot because the Beach Boys were pretty experimental and psychedelic, and this guy's kind that's of using true. that vibe, but like guess, even yeah, more yeah, lo-fi and yeah, yeah. But you know, he did the drums, beatboxing. Is that true? Yeah, the drum. Those weren't drums on that track. That was him spitting into an old mic. Guy. I didn't know that. That's that's kind of cool. That's kind of dope. Yeah. I feel like people are still doing that. Didn't like I, I like Justin Timberlake did a song and he's beatboxing on it. Probably, but he. Did, I like that but, when I hear that. But he wasn't trying to make it sound like a beatbox. He was trying to make it sound like real drums. Like, I'm gonna use he, my mouth for my real drums because he had no drummer. So he was like, yeah. I, I mean, so this is this is yeah. a you know testament to the the DIY yeah, kind yeah. of facet that this guy's coming from. Like I love that, and I love that track because uh, that was the first one I heard, and uh, the rest of those tracks on the album not as catchy for me until later on in the album mm -hmm. i think there's only two or three on that Ooh. album which album was that off of the very first one i think it's called um i'm gonna find the name okay no I won't. it's just called underground underground okay cool from 1998 that's a really bad photo of him and uh on the album cover but uh it's it fits the vibe <laughs> exactly it yeah. fits the vibe that's yeah. the aesthetic he's going for yeah so i mean yeah so there's a little taste of what he's doing early on yeah, yeah. he was he was an uh, you know collector of of records and of music magazines like an avid reader yeah um I, he had he had a you know big hunger for bootlegs and unofficial stuff mm -hmm. that he would try to collect mm. and so i think he's like that's kind of where some of his influence is coming from because he's, mm. he's listening to some already super lo-fi bootleg stuff mm -hmm. from his favorite artists. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he was also into Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. Another influence was The Cure, I think. Yeah. Another cool band. Lou Reed as well, lyrically, I think he mentioned. Mm -hmm. like, Lou Reed is yeah. cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so skip to 2004, The Doldrums. Mm -hmm. And we know Animal Collective, yes, you've heard. I haven't really heard of them much, but I've, enlighten me. Uh, I don't know about them either too much but they do some interesting psychedelic mm -hmm. um kind of avant-garde mm -hmm. art mm -hmm. art art pop maybe you could call it okay um indie art pop something like that but uh i guess animal collective had a a record label called paw tracks mm -hmm. and so he ariel pink got onto paw tracks in mm -hmm. 2004 and so mm -hmm. doldrums was the debut record that he he was on that label with and so he kind of started i think the rest of the albums were on that label yeah um, I, I heard he um uh met met them at a show and gave them a cdr of his music but it wasn't the doldrums it was uh worn, he gave him a copy of his album worn copy and they said they were in their tour van and it was just which it, was the album right before the doldrums yeah he's so that's, so that's the copy he gave to the animal animal collective right yeah and he said it and they said it was just like on the floor of their van for like a week 
and they one day decided to put it on and they were like drawn to it and they were like whoa who's this guy kind of thing and they were like we want to sign him we want to put out his thing so he <laughs> when he resubmitted his album he didn't submit one copy he submitted the doldrums which is a different album because he's like i have so much material yeah, i need he, to let's he, do the next thing because he thought that would be more commercial or something like that yeah and apparently they didn't really like it as much as the other one but they warmed to it and then, and then they they did put it out um, on their label. That, yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, some of yeah. this stuff is... is so little... I know that much. I don't know Animal Collective, but I know that part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's the part of the story we're yeah. focused on. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's kind of the story of how we got onto a label and that kind of set them on the next trajectory of mm -hmm. building more albums, building more music, mm -hmm. and eventually kind of building music knowing that he had an audience. So I don't think any of this, these first albums, he wasn't doing it for other people or yeah. like knowing that he had an audience because he didn't basically yeah. and he was kind of just doing it for himself for his own artistic outlet as far as i know yeah well he said he, he went on tour uh with animal collective mm -hmm. uh, because they signed him and they wanted him to be an opening act and he first started it doing karaoke style like just singing over the backing tracks and then he decided they should have a band uh -huh. And then he did the band, and he said they got they got booed off stage, and like no one liked it. Was pretty it. rough. It was like rough kind of thing. And his reaction to that was like, "Well, the band members aren't getting paid, so I can't really crack the whip and get him to learn the songs." Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> so he's just kind of it was yeah. free for all, and he didn't even care that much. And, and I mean, they yeah, and he also said these songs weren't really written to be performed live. He wrote them to write them to record them. Yeah. So it was like, yeah. Yeah. It it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's what yeah. this guy's doing. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't trying to be commercial at all. No, he wasn't even trying to be. He's just trying to anything. do his own thing. Yeah, just trying to do his own thing. And I think yeah. that's one of the coolest ways to make music. And people discovered him, and now like his archives are out into the world. Is what it seems like. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. Essentially, yeah. all these first albums were just—they're kind of like B-sides albums. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. here's a bunch of stuff Demo that, tapes, kind that of I have no much. purpose for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. You no, know, there they are. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, kind of developed his lo-fi status or style. So yeah, instead of like re-recording those old songs, he just was like, "Fuck it, let's just put these exactly. out instead." Yeah, <laughs> and remastered them. Some some of them, you say they're having brackets remastered. Yeah, well, that, that, <laughs> kind of like we were saying, yeah, he's, yeah. he released this stuff kind of retroactively. But another yeah, yeah. one of the things that he did was end up re-recording some of the songs that were on these early albums yeah. and then feature them on some of the newer albums after 2010. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Which, you know, is, I don't know, I guess some people have different ideas about whether you should, you know, re-record your music or maybe you don't want to for this or that reason. But I, I do have an example of this where I, it was an eight track that I did of this song and uh, it, it was like one of my very first things that I did by myself uh -huh. and the way I recorded it was because uh, I didn't have a loop machine or anything like that but I wanted to make this like loopy breakbeat-y track right so the way I recorded it is I had this like uh, one drum loop it was like a four bar loop and I just played it live for like three minutes mm -hmm. on the tape machine and then I went, rewinded it, and I uh, recorded another drum beat that was kind of the same for another three minutes. So I had this weird syncopated thing. Playing them both at the same time, lined yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And then I and then I rewound the tape again, and I played the bass line. Mm -hmm. But I, I mic'd up the bass amp, and then I mic'd up the snare drum. So every time I'd hit the bass, it would like rattle the snare drum. So it kind of sounded live in the room. Yeah, that's cool. 
And then I recorded some guitar over it. And it had this like really lo-fi, cool vibe. And then my friend, a singer came in and she like sang some vocals over it. And it was just this track, you know, some people listened to it and it was like, it's boring because it's like repetitive and whatever kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But then I got the chance to re-record it a few years later on the computer with a bunch of people. And for some reason, like the tempo had sped up and everything sounded clean and it just lost the vibe of mm -hmm. the track. Even though you're trying to hit the same vibe essentially, but yeah. like I can make it better. And it was in the same room as it was in the same studio as I originally recorded Using it the same well. equipment even? Different equipment, but same room, same, some of the same what, people. What do you think was, uh, changed from that first time to the second time that which like you were inspired to uh, do it another time or I do it better? I think the people that re-recorded it with me didn't think it, the original was good enough or whatever. Yeah. Um, and also we had this technology and they were to mic things up, you know, because like, because that, here's the thing. And that's what's really interesting about Ariel Pink as well. is like, you get a, a lot of times as a musician, you'll get into a situation where you've, and this has happened throughout history with lots of artists like Nirvana or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Cause everyone records demo tapes mm -hmm. or they used to back in the day, like bands that used to like, record all their demo ideas even full bands will record demo ideas kind of right thing. and there'll be a certain vibe and a feeling in a room kind of thing and so then when you're trying to re-record it in a studio setting with like the best mics you can get hold of in the best rooms like you're trying to replicate it but with like clarity of like good recording sort of yeah thing. more fidelity like yeah it sound more clear yeah which is fine but i think the thing that gets overlooked in a lot of those situations is is you you can replay the song with a better bunch of gear but can you replicate the mood mm -hmm. and that's what's more important and i think that's what he's kind of embracing is the, i think he the embraced vibe. the fact that, that like uh, like a high percentage of the way these tracks his old tracks sounded was because of the lo-fi vibe and the mood in the room and how he created it and to try and replay that it might not work at all like, totally it might not work at all it's kind so, of a backwards thing yeah how it's yeah. it's sometimes m more difficult to achieve a shitty sound yeah then it you know if you try to do it the other way and it's like why am i yeah. not getting yeah, and what I think I it, didn't, it didn't work for me because um in that sort of example i provided as well is because yeah it wasn't the right group of people um that were re-recording it with me kind of thing and that's the truth it's not it's not, like, it's not you know, the the equipment that you're using or the studio that you're in yeah, but yeah for example it's you know who's running the studio and how are they using what they have access to that's so much more important than the specific piece of hardware that you might have or might not have yeah and i think that's one of my favorite things where i'm drawn to this artist because he's like i don't have anything i'm going to yeah. still do whatever i want and it's not going to slow me down I think that's super valuable. If you can take that to other as assets of your aspects of your life, yeah, it's a cool concept. Yeah, and it could be a you know, it's a strong value. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's like a massive thing, and um, and you know, I don't, I don't know why Ariel hasn't tried to at least explore doing one song or a couple of songs like re-recorded from his old catalog. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a, a lot of issues at play there with him. Like I'm, I've heard him say about um, the fact that um, 
he thinks experimentation in music is underutilized and expand people experimenting with sounds is is an under underutilized facet of yeah, making music kind we've of kind of entered this yeah. this period where we have the algorithm we'll use these this hardware with this producer yeah. and you'll get this sound yeah, and yeah. just plug it in and you'll have your product yeah and yeah i feel like that's that's lost a little bit like some of these some of these great artists that are still around today that have surfaced to the top their music has surfaced to the top over the years mm-hmm. is you know they were in the studio being like let's just try this let's yeah. no one's ever done this before i'm going to want to do it <laughs> Well, yeah, like, I mean, I mean, shit, back in the day of, like, Jimi Hendrix and all that, they used to record, like, the vocals in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. you know, because they had this echoey sound or whatever and stuff like that. I've been in situations uh, where people are like, well, we have to use this microphone in this setting because of this, and we're going to get what I want. (laughs) But, and then I've also heard people on YouTube, my favorite bands, like, oh, like, with a, you know, interview with their producer or something, and they're just laughing about how much like microphone bleed is on the final track because oh, like, yeah, yeah. there was somebody in the next studio doing a thrasher album just yelling <laughs> and yeah there's some bleed in our mic now so but <laughs> it's crazy yeah it was a great take and that doesn't really take anything away from that take and nobody will ever know that there was some weird extra sounds on that track it just yeah. sounds like a good vocal and you achieved what you wanted oh, to yeah. achieve so does it matter no and i think that's the thing that uh, you forget about a lot as a musician like you know like I say, I've been in many situations where we've been in be- way better studios to re-record songs, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't the same. Like because we weren't we weren't trying to cheat. We we didn't know what we were trying to achieve. Like we were just trying to make the same song cleaner sounding. Or I think that's a lot of times you get the best thing where you don't know what you're trying to get, yeah. but you you want to go somewhere. But, but the mood and the vibe is what you know. I remember this one time I was in my band. We won. The Battle of the Bands at some high school competition, my friend's high school, and uh, and the prize was that we get to re-record one song like in a fancy studio. Nice. So we went to go do that, and then uh, uh, I was just like uh, laying the drums down with the bass player live in this one room, and the sound engineer was just like, "Yeah, you don't have." I was like, I did a few takes, and it was Mm -hmm. like, "Yeah, it wasn't quite the energy there." It was like, it wasn't going. I think he was kind of trying to produce it or something like that. Right, yeah, sounds <laughs> which, like. Which is fine. It's like, um, but yeah, we, we did it and it was just, it came out okay, but it was, um, I think the one thing, you know, if you've got all the gear in the world and a great studio, it it's great. It can make your instruments sound good, but don't forget the mood and the performance and the absolute you're really actually trying to capture a performance on tape mm-hmm. even though we don't use tape anymore let's just say it's tape like you're really trying to capture a, an emotive performance a, a specific energy that's special you know, yeah and that could, you know most people focus that on the vocals but really it's every instrument like as a drummer as a guitarist as a bass player as whatever instrument you're playing you should be trying in the studio trying to zone in and get and it's really hard it's so hard especially these days when you got especially as a drummer you got a click track 
there's the pressure and you're hey it's studio and time buddy and you're like trying to be in the groove but you've got this incessant thing like lopping you over the head <laughs> you're, you're trying to be chill while everyone's like okay you're doing it it's right now <laughs> yeah, exactly. watching you yeah and the everyone's glass. in the school in the glass like watching you and it's like time is money dude it's, you're taking too much too many takes yeah exactly so i mean it's like i can understand why someone like errol pink wouldn't want to revisit all of this stuff since he's already did it and he thinks it's good mm -hmm. and it might sound not clean but the vibe is there that's all like, this guy cares about yeah that's yeah. why he was happy to put out so many so many awesome cool lo-fi records and he's i'm not trying to go clean yeah not even thinking so, about yeah, it yeah, and, uh, not at all but he did kind of he did experiment he did do as he went through like yeah, starting yeah. with before today in 2010 yeah, yeah. um like I said, I would probably start if you're trying to get into Ariel Pink, if you want to check it out, I would start with Before Today or Pom Pom, which came later. Okay. But Before Today is probably So this prime. is, you would say these are his studio albums where he did post four track type style. Play, yeah, right? I feel like he yeah. kind of reached after, uh, Before mm. Today kind of, for me at least, marked a new territory for him where he was, I think he, with Before Today, he started making the music with the, the idea that he had an audience. Because he'd released, you know, these what seven or eight albums mm. for for his own sake, yeah. and after that, he he was like, okay, well, people are listening. I'm on a label. I'm on a trajectory. Let's yeah. let's try. I'm, I'm, you know, he's he just was creating things with that thought in mind, and it, um, it his his prior success allowed him to you know be in some nicer studios, and so he experimented with that. I think. Yeah. And some of the some some of it's hit or miss. I don't know if he ever really liked it, but no matter what, even mm. his more modern the stuff in the last ten years has still got that lo-fi um sound and mm. especially it's still got that kind of weird, quirky, eccentric quality to it. Mm. But in two thousand ten he had before today that came out. It's still based and basically the, pop the, rock. That was the opening track that you played that was from the album, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. I mean great track. Mm -hmm. And that one's pretty straightforward yeah um a is, lot of the other stuff is pretty weird like i said is there another track odd. is there another uh standout track from that album because awesome. this, this was his first um sort of clean studio recording yeah oh, okay and it, it's still pretty weird yeah um we played round and round yeah, yeah. Da, da, da. Hmm, i i don't know the names of these songs uh, unfortunately i okay the one i would play is butthouse blondies though okay um, that's that's the one that I could, you know. Obviously, I think the name stuck in my head because that's a pretty fun name. Should we give that a spin right now? Spin it. All right. Yeah, that's a lot cleaner track so you than can, you would have heard in his earlier records. Even though it's kind of it's kind of a grungy, you know, that was kind of a heavier. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's about as heavy as he'll he'll get. But you can hear that grunge, and though even though you compared to the stuff we played earlier, you can hear how it's cleaner, a little bit more polished. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but, but but it still has a little bit of a lo-fi thing to it still no matter what he kind of continues to have that which mm -hmm. you know i don't know he likes it and he wants to continue with it or you know he's experimented with cleaner stuff but yeah you know i don't know kind of once you get in that concept and you know how to do something really well you kind of tend to do that i guess kind of kind of go with what you know yeah and i don't know it just that's what that's what comes out of this guy 
And they and said I that was a, a critically acclaimed album. Yeah. Pitchfork placed it at number nine in their top 50 albums of 2010. That's pretty huge. That's pretty big. Like, so yeah. today, like, I mean, yeah. that's why I would say start with that record before today. Okay. It's, it's rock, it's pop, it's, it's a little cleaner than the earlier recordings. Um, but it's still kind of vintage. It's it's seventies and eighties rock. It's yeah. off kilter, new wave, yeah. kind of oldie, old aesthetics, mm-hmm. mixed genres. Mm-hmm. No, but good tracks. It's fun. It's all... he, has, he has an album called Ku Ku Klux Glam. Yeah, so that was the next <laughs> one. And I don't know too much about that album, but it's kind of a continuation of what he's been working on. Kind of similar vein as that last album. Yeah. So this, yeah. I mean, this guy doesn't have. It's not like every album is completely different kind of artists yeah, yeah, yeah. like oh he's exploring this area sure, yeah. he's kind of really always leaned into this lo-fi 60s 70s pop rock mm. aesthetic this and he mm. starts with that vibe and then he's not afraid to do weird little offshoots within the particular track yeah. and he'll mix multiple genres within the same track and do some weird change-ups yeah. um, some oddball stuff that you wouldn't expect mm-hmm. definitely always keeps it interesting sometimes it's too weird for people one of the most um, one of my favorite things that this guy does is use comedy. Oh, yeah. and, and you can see in that last song called Butthouse Blondies, like yeah, yeah. he's not afraid to be funny. Yeah. And it, I don't know, some people don't really see comedy in music because mm. it's not the same as like, oh, he told a joke. Ha ha. It's, it's, you know, it's, he, he's being ironic or he's being facetious or he's, he's simply using funny words in a way that normally you wouldn't hear a song you know, utilizing. Yeah. And so I don't know too much about Ku Klux Glam. Love the name. Can you talk about um, <laughs> uh, comedy and music? There was this band that I'm trying to find the name of right now, but I don't think they had this song called Danger, Danger, High Voltage. Okay. No. You, you I know, don't, uh, I, uh, it's not coming. I might be thinking of something else. I don't know if I know what you're talking about. I'm going to find it. Okay. Uh, feel free to talk about something else in the meantime. Okay. Well, I'll tra- I'll talk about what I don't know about Ku Klux Glam, but the <laughs> on the cover, I think it's um, the guy who is uh, kind of his, um, who he is the protege to. He Ariel Pink is the Padawan of what's the guy's name? Stevie Moore. Yeah, yeah. Who's kind of like the the king pioneer of lo-fi mm-hmm. and DIY. Yeah. Um, if you guys like any of this stuff, especially like Ariel Pink's earlier stuff, this kind of lo-fi DIY vibe, then mm. Stevie Moore is the way to go. Check him out. I listen to- got a lot of stuff out as well. I think yeah. he's pretty prolific as well. I didn't yeah. get as much into him because I was you know, trying to hone mm. in on what we're talking about here, but mm. I explored a little bit of it. Cool stuff. Yeah. Like legitimately cool. And I like- I like knowing when or like how people organize their stuff. And so this guy's like coming from a very DI, he's known for being DIY mm. and that alone attracts me to what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and I listened to some of the stuff and it's pretty cool. Yeah. So I would definitely check him out as well. Yeah. So like a little clip of uh, Stevie, what was his name? Stevie? Stevie Moore. Stevie Moore, like in a, in a interview clip with Ariel, they, they showed some vintage clips of Stevie Moore from some old, cable access to yeah i mean he's he's um, no he's been around for a little while now yeah and i think they reunited i I saw an image of them together or something Mm -hmm. a photo of and stevie was like this old guy now white hair and all yeah uh, still doing his thing yeah so he's just kind of like a you know a an elder of the diy genre yeah yeah. aesthetic or whatever i got yeah well 
by the way, before I mention what I'm just going to bounce to say about that in response to that, Electric Six was the band I was talking about. Oh, cool. <clears throat> Have you heard of them? Um, no, I might have known the name, but I don't know what you're talking about. But they use some comedy, like you said. Yeah, like their music videos are like really funny. I love them. They did this one album, and one of them was Danger High Voltage on it. I'll um, check it out. Uh, let me just play a little bit of this YouTube clip so you can get a little bit of a thing. Give me a little idea. digress people but uh that video is is fucking hilarious watch that video his crotch was lighting up or something he's sitting in a yeah, chair yeah, yeah and he's like all serious he's in a suit here. but he's singing in a in like a love seat or chair and his crotch <laughs> yeah. is lighting up or something okay i like that fire in the disco fire in the fire in the disco. taco bell in the taco bell fire in the gates of hell i think i mean what lyrics those are very good lyrics <laughs> that turns me on that turns me on i think it's not everybody gets it maybe that's fine who cares yeah, but yeah. comedy is something that's it's interesting it's it's my, it might be harder to do than you might think because i think a lot of people are scared to say sim- weird words or silly concepts yeah weird phrases that you wouldn't say some people are kind of you know i can only say you know love you know like a, like there's like well, five words that you can just use well also you want to be taken seriously as as a musician, if you do too much comedy, you could you could be seen as like a nobody wants parody. to be weird out. Like but yeah, no one wants to be weird out. Yeah. So I, I think it's a cool thing to be finessed into your music because Ariel Pink's not known. He's not a comedy artist in any right. way. Exactly. Yeah. But he definitely utilizes comedy yeah. to his benefit as as part of his art. But it's yeah. it's not a comedy show. Exactly. It's like a drama yeah. or you know some kind of nostalgic drama, but that has funny parts in it. Like you've seen yeah, a serious yeah. movie. Yeah. There's a couple, you know, there's always a plucky yeah. comic relief mm-hmm. and, and it keeps it, keeps it light. Exactly. Yeah. Keeps it dynamic. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think it does that really well. I haven't learned, um, listened to too much of Ku Klux Glam. That's not yeah. what I'm here to specifically talk about. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he does have a song called Stevie's brain, which I, I think he might be referencing Stevie more. Okay. So yeah, I, yeah. no, you can tell he's working with this guy, mm-hmm. um, and he's he's learning from this guy, and they're collaborating together. Mm-hmm. So I mean, from there, Jay, I would go to 2012 when he comes out with Mature Themes. Mature Themes. If you have you listened to anything off that? Um, I have not. I I didn't get a chance <laughs> to really explore past his body of work from 98 to 2004. So his earlier stuff is a surprise to me right now. The the latest the, yeah. the stuff that's the latest stuff yeah yeah because mm-hmm. so, I I, I so just always kinda, thought he was just like a four track tape artist kind of thing so yeah, yeah. so we kind of came at this from different angles because for sure I, I learned about, yeah I yeah, learned yeah. this was my pick I guess yeah. and I learned about Ariel Pink from his his latest stuff 
and I, then I, I, went I just back. and you started at the beginning, which is you know. So I mean, that, that's. I great. mean, it kind of so kind of works out. No, we it, meet in the middle, but it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. So I mean, here we are in the middle. Yeah, mature themes. It's it's outgoing. It's unleashed. Same same kind of you know. It's a little bit cleaner, but it's still aerial pink. The same kind of mm-hmm. 60s, 70s rock pop, but mm-hmm. doing some weird kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little. It's clear. It's crisp. It's weird. Um, okay. Again, he's not he's not completely changing gears every album. Yeah. He, he kind of Same continues vibe. to hit um, this mm-hmm. nail on the head and and explore this lo-fi, weird, quirky, eccentric rock vibe, mm. which is cool. Okay. So it's more good stuff. Yeah. Don't know too much about that record. Okay. Um, but I think after that, well, I guess in 2014, he had early live recording. So he released like an album. I don't know if that counts as a real LP. But after that, also in 2014, is the record Pom Pom. And so that kind of really turned me on to Ariel Pink and it kind of blew my mind. And that's, I don't know, that's my favorite record. Yeah. It's one of my favorite records. Oh, really? Yeah, in general. I mean, I'm in general, in general, general. Yeah, in general, general. (laughs) I might put it in my, you know, top 10 favorites right now. Oh, shit. So it's pretty high up there. Like I said, start with Before Today. If, if, If you're looking for something more, a little more polished though, Pom Pom. It feels, it, it feels really, it feels, visceral it feels um, um you know not to reference the name mature themes but it sounds like his most mature record like he really like i feel like that's where he kind of really came into his sound that he's been working on for the past you know decade or two mm-hmm. um and it really coalesces into a good very cool weird odd dynamic record what is um a good track to play off of that pom-pom Okay, well, let me let me look at the list real quick. Because mm-hmm. I mean, again, this is it's '60s pop. Mm. You know, he, it's like he he's flying his freak flag. You know, like the lyrics that he's talking about. Mm-hmm. He's he's not afraid. He's he's like there's a song called like "I'm a nympho," mm-hmm. or at least a lyric right. like "I'm a nympho." Yeah, like he like he's he's just diving deep into like who who am I? What are we? Mm. And he's not afraid to be like calling himself out. Okay. Um, that's something that I really respect because I think a lot of people are super. They don't want to say they don't want to explore the, the yeah they don't want to be honest like with an or or society they're scared about what who, who what, how are people judging me what are they thinking about me how am I perceived and this guy's like I'm crazy I'm weird yeah and everyone's like this let's explore it yeah. let's be open yeah. he's not saying there's no closed doors he's saying what's on his mind right on these lyrics. Mm. And uh, he's just a very open person. And that's something to aspire to for me. Because I think a lot yeah. of people are super scared to just be honest with themselves and with everybody else around them. Um, yeah. not, I don't know what your question was, but you said to pick a song. Oh, yeah. But I was just kind of going, it's, it's still pretty lo-fi. It's yeah. cleaner, though. It's a, it's, a, it's a level up. It's not anything like the, the earlier, like, first five okay. or six records. Okay. But it's a little more detailed. It's a little more high-fidelity. I'm excited to um, listen. It, it's pretty yeah. poppy. It's it's strong. Yeah. Um. It's kooky. It's eccentric. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's still it's still groovy. Mm-hmm. All the songs are unique. Oh, it's oh. interesting. So let me let me look at the song list real quick. You're getting me wet. I know. It's getting, me too. <laughs> me too. There there was a there's a few songs I would play off of this. How how weird can we go right now? Is that the one? No, 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 no. I, oh, I don't want to play something that's too oh. weird because there's some odd, odd stuff on here. Are you looking for something? I mean, we can play a couple of tracks. I mean, play. 
Okay, then one one of each, like one of that you think okay. is less weird, and oh, one that's weird. Okay, yeah. So less weird, a little more, a little more poppy, and okay. a little more straightforward. Um, play lipstick. Okay, and then uh, what's your other one? Because we can just play it back to back. Okay, okay, then back to back, and then we'll do uh, sexual athletics. Okay. Sexual Athletics by Ariel Pink. Doesn't it make you want to get into some athletics, you know? I mean, that is <laughs> an insane... I didn't know it was going that way, that tune. So isn't that amazing <sighs> what this guy can accomplish? How it's it's funny? Like, it makes you smile? It makes you, it does. It makes you move? But it's not like funny, like, you're in hysterics. It just makes you smile. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what's yeah. interesting. That's some yeah. magic to me. And I really yeah. love that. And I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I can't even explain it. Like, what is it? It's not comedy. It's not, he's not being serious. He's not necessarily like trying to teach me something. Yeah. You know, what's going on? But it's a cool yeah. vibe. I mean, this is music. Yeah. And I feel like it has, it's multifaceted and it's super interesting. Well, especially that track. That had a lot going on for me. It, yeah. It um, reminded me of a lot of different things. Um, and you can hear how it's kind of, it's kind of crisply produced, yeah. Even though it sounds lo-fi, yeah. yeah. Like everything's still well, that pretty shuffly beat that came in in the end was definitely yeah. like lo-fi sounding. It sounded very sampled, even. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure exactly how they recorded everything, but well, it's funny because I know like um, a lot of recent artists or a lot of recent critics are lumping him in with like the chill wave thing, mm-hmm. the same as Tori Imwa. Right, there is some overlap there. Yeah, which is like, um, I can hear on his latest albums that vibe, but I don't feel like he's being influenced by anything that's happening right now. I feel you, like he's in his own world and he's doing totally. his own thing. And right, I could yeah. see how you can loop those, or yeah. put those those two artists together. You can hear the influence yeah. from, from yeah. Tori Moi, and you can hear yeah. Ariel Pink, but... Yeah. You play a, a Tori Ma track up next to it, like a track like that, and it's like it's not too close yeah yeah. It, they're pretty far away they're doing their own thing yeah but the, but there's all these like production textures like especially within that track you got um you know it started out one way you got all the like the talking mm-hmm. part of it and then it and then it like morphs into those so there's like there's like three artists that i i thought of in that thing uh one is this group called death in vegas though and they're not very well known at all and I'll have to see if they have enough albums to warrant a Roots and Groove episode. I don't um, think I'm not sure if they do, but it's a big it's a big deal if you do. <laughs> you got to have at least more than two albums out. To <laughs> we have make criteria it here. We, we criteria. don't just we don't just talk about any artist, guys. <laughs> Although they were from years ago, so maybe that's the other criteria. It was like how long ago? True. Um, but uh, and on their album, they had this one track, um, Iggy Pop was on. And it was a... He was it, a featured artist on their track? He was a featured artist on Death in Vegas track. And it was like, he was doing a lot of this talking thing. And it was about like murdering someone or something like that. And it was like really visceral, but it was like, it, it reminded me of that. And also, I'm going to come at you very left field right now. It also reminded me of an album that David Lynch, the movie director, released. Because David Lynch also makes music. And he came out with this really weird album called Crazy Clown Time. I'm unaware. David Lynch, Crazy Clown this Time. This is interesting. I'm not sure if that's his album name or one of the song names. But um, it, yeah, his 
David Lynch's music is like dark and crazy as fuck. And uh, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. But really good. Yeah. I mean, I love as a filmmaker as well. I love David Lynch as a filmmaker. Not necessarily all his films, but his outlook and his perception. Mm-hmm. And as an artist, because he makes art as well, not just films. He like makes visual art and he makes music. And uh, the end of that track reminded me a lot of um, what was on David Lynch's album. I'll have to give that so, a listen. What is yeah. it? What is that album called? I think it's called Crazy Clowns. <laughs> crazy Clowns. So it sounds like a crazy album, which uh, I'm down for. Let me see. David Lynch. We we are both Googling it right now. Spotifying yeah. it. So, um, But no, Google away. Yeah. So that was 2014 Pom Pom. I think that was a pretty good representation of what's on that album. Okay. There's some, yeah. there's some straightforward kind of poppy stuff that's like, cool. I can yeah. get down to this. And then yeah. there's some stuff out of left field to, to use your... Um, uh, vernacular. vernacular nomenclature nomenclature no my name is nomen or clature nomenclature you know like james bond you know uh, i don't know i'm just i'm not a i'm not terrible. a podcast guy okay i'm not a no, talker i'm not a podcast guy <laughs> and i'm a, i'm not a music guy guy hey i'm not <laughs> i'm not a music guy pal okay ain't you ain't you pal guy <laughs> hey friend hey guy so Check out Pom Pom. I love that album. I think it's super cool. It's super dynamic. I think it hits. I think Ariel Pink comes into himself in this album, and he like really matures as an artist there, even though it's silly and weird. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. He's just accepting, kind of accepts the nonconformity, and he kind of leans into that. Like, mm-hmm. why are we all trying to be conformist and normal? Yeah. Right. What is normal? What the fuck? Why are we trying to do that? Why do? Why don't we normalize? everyone being weird and individual like yeah. that's the truth so let's just like mm-hmm. do it mm-hmm. so I, you know i really like that album yeah. um, go for it pink it's the album covers pink and it says pom-pom on it yeah pretty simple written in weird letters yeah so mm-hmm. i know interesting anyway so that album comes out in 2014 as far as i know the next album that comes out is 2017 dedicated to bobby jameson and i feel like that was the year where i discovered pom-pom Mm-hmm. Um, and then this was the subsequent album. So I was like, okay, well, okay, that's crazy. Pom Pom mm-hmm. was dope. I'm going to listen to the next album. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. I listened to Dedicated to Bombay Jameson, which came out 2017. And that's, after that, I went back to his like mm. uh, doldrums and mm. worn copy, those earlier records. Yeah. But Dedicated to Bobby Jameson is a little bit more of the same. I don't want you know sound like a broken record or say that it's 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 boring or anything because this guy keeps it interesting no matter what. And there's a little bit different vibe on every album, but he's still kind of exploring the same kind of stuff. Who's Bobby it, Jameson? Damn, I'm not. <laughs> I, I I didn't look into that. I'm. I I think I. The I album knew, cover is a graveyard with uh, lights shining at grave yeah, stones. I, I don't know why I didn't think of that. I think I came across that at some point and I thought I knew it, but not enough, not well enough to bring it up and speak mm. about it right now. So, right. I mean, we'll leave that as a mystery. Mystery for the listeners to yeah, you know, uh, little, search on your own time. Exactly. Don't you know, use it, our time, this, use your own time. This is an interactive podcast. <laughs> Press pause and search for it now. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's still revisiting kind of past vibes and trying yeah, to recreate yeah. them it's nostalgic it's still lo-fi it's odd it's obscure mm-hmm. this these are the things that ariel pink does very well yeah um it's it's good to see that he's um he's he's not just been this artist that has done these crazy 
demo mixtapes and found a little bit of exposure mm-hmm. and milking it. Like he's actually gone on and made brand new tracks, brand new albums that stand yeah. by themselves. Like, um, I feel that's a true testament to an artist in a way. Like, um, it shows, it shows true artistry that you can do that. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I mean, I came across that idea one time and I was like, Oh, this band is so cool. Cause they just change it up every album. Yeah. And like, that's cool. That's what I thought, you know, Oh, that's, that's art, you know, that's artistic mm. ability. Like they can switch it up. That's dope. And that is cool. And I think my uncle once said in this conversation that I'm speaking of, and he said like, well, I think it's cool when a band can kind of do the same exact thing over and over again, <laughs> but keep it interesting. Like mm. there's something there that is cool. Cause I mean, not, I'm not saying the same exact thing, but mm. in this example, we're talking about Ariel Pink and, you can say a lot of these albums are somewhat similar in their vibe mm-hmm. and influence maybe, mm-hmm. but yet I, there are strong differences and you can see the progression from when he started to these, these later albums like Pom Pom or dedicated to Bobby Jameson. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Cause he hasn't switched it up too much. He's not trying switched to, it. he's not trying to cater to, yeah he's not trying to in particular or anything like that exactly but no i think these albums he did he did change his concept a little bit like he was aware that he has an audience now yeah and i don't know how that affects anybody but it's it's it is interesting and something to say about how these random things do affect you and do affect your art well you know when roots to grooves gets an audience you know we're only going to talk about (laughs) artists that pay us to talk about them if ever yeah so we're only gonna have to talk. We're gonna have to talk convincingly about how Justin Bieber's albums and stuff like that. You do realize that, right? You know, once mm. we get some money, you know, we're gonna be forced into it. We're gonna be, yeah. Some uh, our manager, our producer we're is gonna, gonna have to be like, "Here's gonna, the list of new artists you have to." We're talk We're gonna about. have Scooter Braun in the studio, and he's <laughs> gonna have this long stick, and he's just be like, "Say something positive." You, have, you haven't said Bieber <laughs> in two minutes. Yeah, say Bieber again. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine okay, whatever okay the world works the way the world works and i know it's how it goes listeners please love us where we are now because in the future we may just be sucking the dick of the man or something i don't know aren't we all aren't we all but we're you know i mean we're here we're making this ourselves we are self-producing this and it's fun for us <laughs> and we're glad that anybody's listening to this Exactly. So, I mean, it's a good time for us. I hope it's a good time for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so 2017, Bobby Jameson comes out. Um, it's, it, it is a little darker. It's somber. It's bittersweet. Mm. There's still, there's a lot of, you know, kind of synths. He, he keeps that kind of glossy glam vibe, even though he's doing kind of darker, mm. vibey kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess, let me see. Da, 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 da. Or I was gonna pick a song off there to to maybe show if you're if you're down to play no, a song. No, that's good for it. Yeah, cool. Because w- one of the things that he does, I mean, Ariel Pink, he does like a shtick, you know. Mm-hmm. Ariel Pink, like, he does different songs and he tries to keep this shtick of keeping like, okay, I'm gonna do this weird ass thing for this three minute song, and I'm gonna do a weird ass thing for this three minute song, mm-hmm. even though they're all in the realm of you know, kind of a pop rock mm-hmm. jam. Um, it starts off with Time to Meet Your God, okay. which is a pretty cool jam. It, it's a little repetitive for me. I wish it changed up a little bit. 
but it is cool. I'm not saying don't play that one right now. Yeah. Or I mean, I am saying don't play that one right now. You are saying do not. Play I'm that saying one right no. Now. Okay. <laughs> um, but a lot of songs they have their own unique identity, mm -hmm. even though they're within that. And I I really respect that about all artists that can achieve that. Yeah. I think that's super cool, and I think it's a difficult thing to do well. Um, so you're down to play a song right now? For sure. Okay, let's do another weekend. Another weekend. It's off of 2017, Bobby Jameson, yeah. dedicated to Bobby Jameson, Ariel Pink. That's got me wanting to listen to that album now. For, that's for what reals. I'm saying, man. It's chill. For reals. Because like, that's like, um, that sounds like it's straight out of the 60s, 70s, but something you didn't hear from then. Like, exactly. Like, yeah. it just kind of conceptually, like, you take the context that you're in. Yeah, yeah. But he's reaching towards these nostalgic kind of vintage vibes from someplace yeah. else in time. And bringing it yeah. back through like a, you know, a, a, a lo-fi nostalgic filter yeah. and providing these nice me melodies and, and grooves and vibes. And it's like a movie as well, because um, mm -hmm. I did research. Bobby James is a real person and he was kind of someone that was on the up in the 60s and um, he was an artist he was an artist and he was kind of promoted as like a as a pop star like the, the major label he was signed to he was trying to promote him really heavily and uh he got invited to join the monkeys but he turned he turned it down so he could have been one of the monkeys but he wasn't interesting that's a pretty huge opportunity yeah most people would have taken that and i'm sure somebody did and he, he opened for the beach boys and uh chubby checker and um so he was right in there with yeah so he he this guy like had a, like a brief flirtation with the mainstream labels in the 60s and then he kind of got in trouble with them in in some kind of way like fell out of his managers or whatever and then he went into the underground of LA and he was like working with like Frank Zappa on a few things and stuff like that um, oh that makes a lot of sense for the album title then yeah, and he, had, he that, had a lot of alcoholism problems and stuff like that. And so it's kind of interesting. I think that also because I was listening to that song and I was reading about this guy, Bobby Jameson. And, uh, and it, it's sort of, it's like a, that's why it also says it's kind of like a movie. Like maybe it's like if you, if you uh, go and check out Bobby Jameson's uh, Wikipedia page and read about him and then go and listen to this album, you might feel something different. Like, that's interesting different context i yeah. didn't know that i'm glad you looked that up during that break because i was yeah. just jamming away no yeah and i think being um, unproductive went well we played that song <laughs> you're being unproductive you weren't bit. making popcorn or anything like that and, <laughs> nah, man. and we don't have a microwave in the studio by the way but if we did popcorn would be a thing it would be popping <laughs> and i think um yeah obviously like he that as an artist that or someone or an individual that ariel pink knew about and wanted to highlight that's super cool i'm glad yeah. you looked that up because that yeah. is mm -hmm. that is cool and i can see the relation yeah. you know you can see how he would relate to that because it yeah. sounds like he's doing kind of a you know similar-ish yeah. at least thing yeah. 
you know, as far as being true to the lo-fi DIY status and yeah, yeah. the kind of non-conformist, I don't need a label, I don't need to yeah. go this mainstream route yeah, to yeah. do what I want to do and fulfill myself. Yeah. Doesn't matter. You can fulfill yourself with without any outside yeah. context. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, yeah. another reason why I respect Ariel Pink. I think that's super cool. And I just learned that off the spot because you looked that up right now. I mean, we, we, yeah, that's that's the beauty of of music and people and pe people's inspirations and people sharing their inspirations. Is yeah. It, is that you you get to discover these other worlds and. And now, you know, I feel like Bobby Jameson, I mean, that's a super interesting story by itself. Yeah, that's... We'd never have known about it if Ariel Pink... And that's what we're here on Rooster Grooves to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're here to explore for ourselves and mm -hmm. for everyone listening. Mm -hmm. we're, we're part of this process too. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's part of the context why we wanted to you know, talk about this kind of stuff because we're learning... Mm -hmm. along with everybody else and we're always part of a process that's ongoing and there's never there was never an end there's never an end and there was never a beginning and we're, <laughs> we're just all we're all going in this cycle it's the infinite loop it's a cycle yeah where are we in the cycle is the only question where are we in the cycle so that's awesome i think after that album they i think ariel pink came out with a single mm -hmm. um that was da, 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 um, i mean i don't know bro where is it uh short man syndrome Hmm. which came out in 2020 the, and i listen yeah i think i listened to it and it was pretty cool i don't there's, i don't there's an album called lover boy from 2019 is that original or is that um old stuff i don't even see that on my spotify so i mean or i'm just looking got, at the popular releases but i don't know what you're talking about bro uh look at the scope sorry i just had to put up there oh no okay no i see that i see that but i don't know what that is exactly that's interesting i don't know if it's a full-length LP, but it does say Haunted Graffiti on it, who's been his band. Yeah, it looks old. He's got an old photo of him on the cover. So it might be some kind of re-release type deal or some kind of compilation. I don't know. I don't uh, want to speak to that. I don't want to say anything wrong, so I won't say much. Yeah. As That's all I'll say. Ariel Pink. Let's, Ariel Pink. I mean, we got the technology. We can look it up on the spot. If you can smell things in time to not have too much dead air which we're, is we're, my challenge right now we're we're a show who's you know we're doing this live we're researching live on the spot guys yeah we're like giving you fresh information this, this right now the freshest off the 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 modern contemporary wikipedia pages you can and you know this yourself but hey don't <laughs> we're here to google it for you, you guys we here to google it for you all right so just throw on some aerial pink while we're googling and stuff and you know it's all good as i i, I haven't listened to that though so, I mean, dedicated to Bobby Jameson was the last thing that I heard. I think it's a reissue. So this was originally, it, it says this is his sixth album, originally released in 2002. Okay. So, I mean, back, this guy's, he, he kind of does He, this, he goes he, back and forth between he, like new shit and old yeah, shit. Yeah, he writes stuff. Then this he writes. That's really cool. That's kind of cool in a way. Like, to, no, totally. To just be like, here's a new album. And here's an album that I recorded 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it, that's just fun. Like, he has yeah. so much material that he can do yeah. that. He's not just writing, oh, I need to make an album for 2020. Like, oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, he has the material and he, he's just sharing it with everybody on, on his own time whenever he feels like it's time to share it. And that's cool. Yeah. I like that. Should we um, close out then with the track? Yeah, we can close out with the track. Do you have one loaded up? 
I don't really. I mean, um, do we want to play something that neither of us have heard before, like his new one, or do we want to play something, or, I or like one of your selections from uh, one of his older albums? Um, do we want something whack, or are we looking for something non not so whack? Whack or non whack? Okay, I'm looking real quick. I'm looking real quick. Mm. I don't know if you have anything to say to close us out while I look. Um, I would like to say follow Signal Radio everywhere. At Signal Radio, that's S-I-G-N-L, radio. You can find us on Instagram. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter. You can find us on the website, signalradio.com, where you can find all of these episodes for Roots to Grooves. And um, join our email list as well. And uh, also... We're going to go out big if you're down. Like, White freckles. White freckles. Ariel what? Pink. This is off of the 2014 album Pom Pom. And I'm just going with that album because that is the album I most relate to. And that's what I want to relate to anybody who's listening right now. Okay. Um, this track blows my mind. It's it's whack. It's <laughs> it's just it's fun. It's it's a little intense. If you don't like it, turn it off and we're done. Okay. <laughs> And that's fine. And it's also the end of the episode as well. So if you turn it off and we're done. We're done anyway. So we we're win. done anyway. So we win. What are you going to do? White freckles. Hey, this has been Rooster Grooves, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com.